Today on We Hear, Love is Blind favorites Lauren Speed and Cameron Hamilton are in the studio today. We'll ask them about falling for each other in the pods and in the real world. And how John Mulaney is solidifying his place as the comedian's comedian. Coming up next on We Hear. Oh my god. We're on page six? No. Oh. No. Yeah. Another divorce splashed across page six. Page six would have a field day. Hey there, I'm Maggie Coglin. And I'm Ian Moore, and welcome to We Hear, a Page Six podcast. We hear all the celebrity dirt from our exclusive sources, and you hear the story behind the story. The story that everyone's talking about is the love story of Lauren and Cameron from Love is Blind, who are here with us today. Hi, guys. Hey, hey. there. Thank, oh, you, thank for you for having, having us. us. Yeah, this is exciting. Thanks. I feel like we're in a pod now, kind it of. Oh, yeah. like it a little bit. <laughs> right, it feels like other. one for sure. So intimate. Yeah, the acoustics, <laughs> just like the acoustics in the pod. Right. Were there snacks in the pod? Oh, yes, there okay. were snacks, <laughs> drinks. Sometimes I brought my own snacks in mm, there. Yeah, nice. Snacks right. plenty. And, and I've read, actually, that, that you guys have said that behind the scenes, actually, there were, like, there are many, many hours, right, that are edited out of the show. Yeah. Yeah, there was so much that, of course, there just wasn't enough time. I mean, mm-hmm. if we put in all the complexity of all the dates, it would be you know, a three day show, you right. know, watching mm-hmm. it all the time. So yeah. we wish, you know, of course we had all these special moments on the show where we were building our connection, but you know, we can't show it all. Right. Yeah, for sure. Was there a moment for either of you where there was like one thing someone said that you were like, Oh, this is, it's it for me. Like, this is the guy. Oh, this yeah. is the girl. Yeah. Well, for me, I think it was like our second or third date. But when Cameron and I were talking about our families mm-hmm. and I started tearing up, I was like, Oh, <laughs> I have never done this before. A, I've never cried on a date. <laughs> and yeah, but that's it was, good. It means yeah, you it was like a happy like emotional cry. It wasn't sad, yes, you know. And right. it was just like at that moment, it's like something went off in my head, and I was just like, "Oh, this is different. Yeah. Like I've never felt like this before. I feel vulnerable, but happy and excited at the same time. It was just mm-hmm. all of these emotions. And as soon as I walked out of there, like it showed on the show, I was just like, "Oh, I found one. Like, and from that point on, it was mm-hmm. like obsession. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It was a, it was the same moment for me mm-hmm. where beforehand it felt a little artificial it felt like we were kind of going through the motions and then that date that lauren just described was when it, it hit me the realness of the whole experience and then started taking it very seriously at that mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. was there anything you wish that the editors left in like man that was such a good joke i made right look so great in that outfit <laughs> oh plenty girl. so many <laughs> one of the the things for me was uh when lauren met my yeah. family mm-hmm. because of course that's such a pivotal moment in any couple's relationship right. and it was a sweet moment you know mom and and lauren really bonded very quickly like lauren showed her her wedding dress on on her phone mm-hmm. and lauren's dad came over soon after mm-hmm. and like yeah. all of us got together and just bonded over the fact that we were going to get married and and what that would mean for the future yeah so it was unfortunate that that was cut out because so many people were like well what happened did you meet his parents did they not want to meet you and it's like no we met and it was great but yeah. you know it didn't make it in the show and do you think that is the show in terms of the editing do you feel that it's edited to sort of create obviously some sort of story that people can follow but maybe even leaving out some details that might hint at what was to come um i mean hmm 
that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, honestly, I feel like our story was pretty authentic. Of mm-hmm. course, I feel like our story was pretty heavily based on the interracial aspect mm-hmm. of our relationship, right. which was very real. That mm-hmm. was very present in, you know, our journey together on the show. Um, but it was definitely uh, at the forefront. And Cameron and I had so many other moments with us just trying to get along as a couple, like right. discussing who we are and trying to learn that outside of the uh, interracial aspect. But, you know, I guess it's not bad because so many people are able to identify with that and appreciate mm-hmm. that and be like, oh, man, this made me open my eyes to this situation. I never thought about that like this, which was really important to yeah. me because I wanted to be really authentic about my experience and real mm-hmm. and just be transparent. Like, this is what I'm thinking. These are my concerns. Like, this is my real thoughts in mm-hmm. life. And so I'm so happy that that came across how it did. And so many people are inspired yeah. and can relate to that. Yeah. How did you tell your friends and family when you were going on the show? Like, how did you describe this? Like, okay, I'm going on this reality show. It's about <laughs> dating. I right. might come back with a husband. Right. Like, oh, that's... <laughs> How do you pack it? It's like, how do you even, like, like, right? And it's just like, um, well, there's this thing. (laughs) Yeah, we kind of had to ease them into that conversation step step by step because it's such a, at first blush, it's such a crazy premise. Uh Yeah. Right? I mean, you're talking to a stranger through a wall. Right. After this short amount of time, you have to, you don't have to propose, but if you're interested, Mm -hmm. then you propose. And, you know, my parents were like, don't do it. (laughs) And a lot of friends had the similar sentiment. Uh, Some were supportive and thought, you know, take a shot. Mm -hmm. And and I'm glad that I did. You know, something was telling me this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Likewise, I mean, my family was like, Lauren, this is probably the craziest thing that you've ever done. And you've done some crazy things. (laughs) But um, at the same time, my mom was kind of excited because she was ready for me to be married. (laughs) She's like, yes, grandbabies, maybe. Girl, go on there and find a husband. So, um, but my family definitely thought that it was odd. Mm-hmm. But, you know, of course they support me in whatever I do, even no matter how weird or crazy it might be. And yeah. do you guys think that if you had met under normal circumstances, if you hadn't had this conceit, yeah. I mean, do you think the outcome would have been the same? Uh, do you ever think about that? Like, I mean, obviously yeah. this... It worked, yes. but would it have worked if you had just In the real met, world, or did right. it have to do with the timing? Or Yeah, I think it would have worked. I, I think, think the timing may have been different. You know, mm-hmm. I think we would have probably paced ourselves more oh, right. in certain sure. respects. Right. Mm-hmm. But one of the great things about this process was that it allowed us to focus on the person underneath the gorgeous you know, physical appearance. <laughs> it's true. It's really true. And, and you know... I find myself getting distracted by her beauty sometimes, you know, even though we've been married for a year and a half. It's true. So, so, you know, I will sometimes like close my eyes and just kind of listen to what she's saying. Um, And that helps kind of connect. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for sure. I feel like if I met Cameron out and about at a bar or something, I would be like, oh. Look at those eyes. Like, he's so smart. He's so intelligent. I, for sure, would have been, like, trying to creep on Cameron at the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. 
That's true. I guess you could always like if you have to have a serious discussion at home, you could have your own pod or something. Yeah, and you right. Go in your own room or, or something. even when we talk on the phone, yeah. it's like flashbacks. Like if he's somewhere traveling and I'm at home, right. and it's like, oh my god, this is like the pod. <laughs> yeah, so it's like flashback. <laughs> Next step is podcast for you guys. Kind of yeah, yeah I know. Who knows? Kind of makes sense. Yeah, right. For sure. Right. Pod. And are you so? Are you surprised now? Like you had to keep this kind of under wraps. Right. For a while, because the, you know, for a couple years basically, yeah. and so, are you surprised now by the popularity of the show? Netflix has said it's like it's its biggest streaming show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you always feel like beyond the aspect of the, the relationship when you got involved with this, were you like this is going to be huge? While you were doing it, you're like, is this going to be a huge hit show, or you're like, is this going to go anywhere? Were you? Did you think right. it would be yeah. so popular? Well, you know, filming it. I definitely knew that it was something special. Of course, mm-hmm. it was something different. It was unlike anything that I had ever seen or just felt. Like, the yeah. energy felt good and different. Um, and even just, you know, being a part of it and being your true self, you hope that it's going to be received well. Like, I don't know how people are going to receive me, mm-hmm. like, being yeah. like this. So just the fact that people love it so much and they say that they're so inspired by it and it's received so well. We're not talking about just here in the States. You know, we're talking about all over the world. I mean, Africa, Asia, uh, Australia. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing. So it's just like, wow, it really makes me happy and it feels like it's fate almost. Mm -hmm. It does definitely feel fated. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from all the different stages, Mm -hmm. just felt like this was the right thing like right. our love helped inspire so many people right that too the world. yeah but we weren't thinking about that back in the pods mm-hmm. and no of course the, not through the process we're worried about us yeah we were just worried <laughs> about our relationship yeah so all this that's followed is just this additional pieces right amazing like and we appreciate it yeah it's a cherry on top mm-hmm. I think you guys should host season two. Of yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm putting it on record. Yeah. Now. Oh, you said it. Please you said call it. them. You heard Netflix. it here first. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming. Thank, in. thank you. you guys for having thank us. You so Congratulations. Much. Thank it. you. So Maggie, we just had the stars of Love Is Blind on the show, and one thing that we have in common with them is our relationship is based on a pod but it's one that we will never gonna, escape they're gonna say our gorgeous good looks that's what we well, have they looked pretty good what did you think okay so i have to admit i actually was very you are a huge love is blind fan and like aficionado right i mean you call it lib it has become my gospel See, I'm, I am telling, I'm preaching the word of the show. I think it's so fascinating because it is essentially a psychological experiment that I can watch on TV. I did feel, I was impressed. I did feel like there was a real like connection between them. And like it was, I, I was very, I was very taken with the whole thing. You know, in cartoons, when one cartoon looks at another and hearts come out of their eyes, I felt oh, yeah. like every time they turned to each other, I could see the hearts fluttering between them. I was just very, I too you, was feeling the love. I was very enamored. It was. With them. You called it a love bubble in here, and you've never said that before. <laughs> Tell you that much. Yeah, man. <laughs> There's hope for all of us. Wow, out there. <laughs> this really made your day. Well, something I don't love, though is the news that the new James Bond movie has been pushed back till November. I love it. I actually do like it. So the new, the 25th James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Sounds like they've got more time to die now <laughs> yeah. if you think about it. Well, this is no time to open a movie because it was supposed to come out in April. Yes. 
And now it's been pushed back to early November because of the whole coronavirus situation. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, one thing about this that I find interesting is that the producers of the film announced today that the movie was going to be shifted months later, a day after they received an open letter from two of the biggest James Bond fan groups, mm-hmm. okay, basically pleading with them to to move the premiere date. So I guess they listen to the fans. That's the thing. Usually I feel like fans are writing these cockamamie letters. You know when like some network show goes off the air that like was sort of a cult hit and they're yeah. like, no, like let's have a write-in campaign save show. to save like some show on the CW, you Remember know, and you're just like, why? And then like, maybe they're like, Entertainment Weekly will always do a thing like, it could be revived on the kook channel you know you're like what okay great like who cares after the final season of game of thrones wasn't there like a change.org petition to have them rewrite and reshoot it's like just because you didn't like it doesn't mean these people are gonna reshoot an entire season i actually wrote a column about how i would i refused to watch the last two or three episodes of game of thrones and then i couldn't watch it so i never even saw the end because like (laughs) I had to be so honest with my readers, my reader, my mom. But um, but in this case, the fan petition actually worked. And the thing that's weird is if you read what the fans said to the James Bond producers and MGM, mm-hmm. it was like it totally made sense. Not all, so there was supposed to be a premiere of the movie um, in London at the Royal Albert Hall, right, and um, which holds thousands of people. And basically, the fans said. They made a few really great points. One was, hey, a bunch of us are flying to this thing and coming from all over the world and all over the country. And, you know, is this a coronavirus? Are we putting people's health at risk? Mm -hmm. Which is like, you know, okay. But then the other thing they said is, listen, if you open this movie now, the box office is going to be affected. So it's like the fans warning the producers and the distributor like, hey, we are the core audience for this movie who's going to basically be buying all the tickets and seeing the movie multiple times. Like, we're not going to be out there supporting the film. So I think that the producers must have said, like, in this case, wow, if our core fan base isn't going to be at this movie, well, who's going to be at this movie? Maggie and Ian. (laughs) That's it. It's interesting because... And the the Love is Blind couple were going on a (laughs) double date. It's interesting because I feel like the trajectory to the release of this Bond film has been so long. Remember, I think it was last July, the first photos of Lashana Lynch, who is taking on the moniker 007. Yeah. Were released right. of her on set. So everyone was like, oh my God, is she? Is this a female Bond? Is this a woman of color who's being bombed? All these things. And then it was like, she's on set, so she's obviously involved. That was in July. Yeah. And then even November, bef- there was another bump. And now totally. this movie in April is not coming out. Daniel Craig got injured on the set. Mm-hmm. There was like a building blew up on the set. There was all this stuff even before this movie started getting made about uh, Danny Boyle was going to direct it. And then he was out. And then they brought in Phoebe Waller-Bridge as like Punch a co-writer mm-hmm. to, to focus on the 
female characters in the movie. Daniel Craig was always like grousing about being James Bond and was he even going to return? He's like the Tom Brady of Hollywood. (laughs) Um, But in this case, I think what they're doing is actually smart. A bunch of other Bond movies have been released. So this movie will be released at Thanksgiving now, which I think is just a better time for me. I mean, I'm just, Personally. it's kind of all about me. My schedule is I'm not going to be free like April. I don't know what my plan is. By Thanksgiving, maybe free up some time, get a sitter, schedule that now. <laughs> Note to self, <laughs> book sitter <laughs> for November 10th. Um, but you know, the the but you brought up a great point before of like, the stars have already done all like the press for this press. goddamn movie. So like Anna de Armas is on the cover of Vanity Fair right now. Are we going to have to see a second run of all of these people in magazines and on morning talk shows come, I don't know, October? Yeah, it's going to be like I an arts and crafts project. They're going to have to be ripping this cover <laughs> off and stapling, stapling it, it to the November cover mm-hmm. and put the love is blind people on the new Vanity Fair. As much money as this will cost to redo all the press and put the kibosh on on this April release, the amount that they would have lost, particularly in Asia and China and the countries that have been affected by coronavirus mm-hmm. is just outweighing that concern. And I mean, it would be kind of crazy for 007 to be brought down by coronavirus rather than, wait, what, what uh, Spectre. <laughs> well, we have to... Have Billie Eilish record a new song because we'll oh, be listening yeah. to the Bond oh theme for God. months and months and months. Oh, that's true. They're gonna have to bring in. The, the, we need bring a new back song. Adele. <laughs> bring back Adele. Bring back Chris Cornell. Everybody. It might be a whole medley like a We Are the World of Bond. Oh, not a bad idea. Bond benefit. Schedule that with the babysitter. John Mulaney is really out there proving himself to be the comedian's comedian. We have a great item about how John Mulaney has come to the defense of Pete Davidson. Right, Maggie. He's trying to kind of broker the peace between Pete Davidson and Saturday Night Live after Pete Davidson made some disparaging comments about the show. And his castmates. And his castmates in in a radio interview. And then we reported that Pete Davidson even skipped the after party on Saturday night and he wasn't there because everyone's mad at him. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's strangely skipped the cast party because Pete Davidson and John Mulaney are good friends. And Mulaney hosted SNL this past Saturday. Yeah, that would be weird, right? So you mm-hmm. think Pete Davidson would be there. Pete Davidson just gave a tour of his home, which he lives with his mother. He lives in the basement. He did it as part of his Netflix special and some promo and on the wall in his basement he has a framed hockey jersey that says Mulaney on the back and he's like I have this because I can't believe we're friends wow yeah like he's such a fan it's really weird because we've also reported in the past that Pete Davidson's other like best friend is Machine Gun Kelly and it's like boy you really want you need to like hang more with just like Mulaney and get rid of Machine Gun Kelly I don't know I think Machine Gun Kelly has his charms as well we shouldn't judge a book by its cover Hmm. It takes all kinds. (laughs) (laughs) So we reported that, right, Pete Davidson said that in this radio interview recently that everyone on SNL thinks that he's dumb and he doesn't know if they're making fun of him. And, you know, and then we also heard that insiders at the show don't think that he really pulls his weight on the show, that Mm. he's not very active in the writer's room. 
So this past Saturday, when his best friend, John Mulaney, um, hosted the show, the after party was at L'Avenue at Saks. Mm-hmm. Seems to be a celebrity hotspot. Swanky hot spot. place. But Pete Davidson wasn't there. And a source told Page Six's Carlos Greer that what Pete said during his interviews has made a lot of folks at NBC upset and they don't want to work with him. But apparently John Mulaney was at the party talking about how how uh, he's trying to broker the peace. Yeah. He's like in the comedic UN. Mm, I like that. The United Knuckleheads. But that's with the K. With <laughs> Right, so John Mulaney's there brokering the piece like the like the Nikki Haley of comedy or like the Boutros Boutros Gali. Oh. Yeah. So what did he say? What did, he what, what was he doing at this SNL was, party? Mulaney was overheard at this party talking about how SNL can be very cutthroat. You might remember he was a writer on SNL and I think he might still hold the title of the youngest writer ever at SNL. Hmm. And he said Pete is not doing himself any favors right now, but the cast should take care of each other, which is a nice sentiment. Wow. He's he's saying they should come together. Yeah. And they should support Pete. If anyone can bring people together, I think it's John Mulaney. John Mulaney is having like a pretty big moment right now. He yeah. hosted SNL and then he has this had this photo that you're obsessed with, Maggie. <laughs> that you keep it's talking not just about me, okay? Mm-hmm. It's What is it? Women, gay men, Twitter. Instagram, Facebook. It's a lot of categories. So let me clear my throat so you know how serious I feel about this. On February 6th, my life was forever changed because John Mulaney posted a photo of himself with Andy Samberg, although I couldn't even see Andy Samberg in the background. Mulaney, I don't think he was doing this intentionally as a thirst trap, but my God, I have never seen this guy look so good. All right, let me We've see the photo. We've got a black t-shirt, hands in the pockets of jeans. We've got some ruffled hair and some glasses. He looks like the guy you dated in art school who didn't take your opinion seriously is now grown up a little, listening to NPR and listening to you. Yeah, I mean, it's a little borderline like the coolest counselor at theater camp. Look. <laughs> um, but, or like he's, or like, you know what? He's like the hot TA like at the like the grad school he's like the grad What's wrong student with that? he's like the hottest ta like at wesleyan all day all day <laughs> yeah. i'll take a hot ta you went to wesleyan <laughs> or like yeah or like but here's the thing you, he's like your dorm advisor prior to this i he's saw gonna... john mulaney as kind of like you know like myself he has some irish catholic guilt which is great for jokes and feeling terrible about yourself and then i saw this and i was like whoo john mulaney Late bloomer, huh? I guess it's also because he's wearing, I think like usually on stage, he kind of wears like a suit Mm -hmm. and he looks kind of like in the pencil neck geek kind of category of like, he looks very sort of- (laughs) Pencil neck. (laughs) He looks like kind of really skinny where like the collar isn't even like touching his neck sort of. It's like his, his neck is too like pencil necked. But I think in this- photo yeah from what i'm seeing i think people maybe also appreciate he, his his he's sort of flexing his his hand is in his pocket his arm there's an good. unintentional flexing of the arm yeah. and it looks like he's actually in much better shape than you would think he would be in yeah 
I'll take it. I feel like it's like in the vein of the kind of hot priest phenomenon from Fleabag. Wow. There's like a connection here. It's like different eras have different sort of definitions of sexy Maggie with like men. Like he's non-threatening and he has good hair. That's a great combo for women. Yeah, it's sort of intellectual. I mean, obviously there was like. (laughs) Ian, are you not buying into my John Mulaney crush here? I mean, I the problem with it for me is that, and I, and I'm not in the demographic, like, but the problem for me is, I I think what makes it so appealing to you is what makes it also somewhat confounding to me in that it just looks like someone I could know, like it just is like, hey, that's you like also that, know me. That you was like put my these co- people together. <laughs> if you know dudes like this and you know me, but let's you're kind of like, oh yeah, my roommate, like back, you know, like good old. Johnny. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, it looks like a year, it looks like a really, really good yearbook photo. Although I will say, but I guess that's what people want. I I think it's only that photo because of the angle, the black shirt. It's in black and white. He looks cool because when he hosted SNL this weekend, at the end of it, he's wearing a t shirt that says Toronto. And I was like, oh, he doesn't look as good in this. It's just, it looks like a regular skinny guy wearing a t shirt. See, also the difference is I like my stars to look unapproachable and like from an, like I don't, you know what I mean? Like in other words, I think the thing that people like about this John Mulaney thing is like, oh, he's like hot, but for like a normal person. I don't want a normal yeah. person. <laughs> I mean, I've seen his like stand up. Pitt, Cruz. He's funny. Greco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. it's totally dated. Basically, but this is like icing on the cake of him being. You know what this sort of is? It's like if funny. Tiger beat. It's like, it's like black. It's like black and white Tiger elites. beat. Yeah, <laughs> coastal elite Tiger beat. Well, you know it's what's funny? Grad school Tiger. When beat. I saw this photo, to me, it felt very much like who gave you the permission? Like this is not your lane. You know, like you're here to make me laugh and talk about commonplace themes that we all find funny you're here to be intelligent and a little quirky and then i saw this smoke show shot and i was like whoa excuse me john mulaney what have you been doing it also is though it does follow the the um the sexification of which is my favorite print song that i just wrote (laughs) of um of comics, because you have like Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, that was another like who all, gave you the permission. All crazily ripped, yeah. you know, whatever for his Marvel movie, The Eternals. And then Pete Davidson is this weird, unlikely sex symbol. I mean, not am- for me. Uh, not for you, but amongst like <laughs> younger, I think. Younger teeny bopper mm-hmm. stars and like cougars, some Hollywood, Hollywood cougars. And then, um, yeah, and then you've got. Mulaney I don't know I guess this is like the new thing although Mulaney he's married he said on stage Mm -hmm. I've seen in his routines he said that he is not having children yeah I've seen that too which is okay more time to hit the gym (laughs) and more money to spend on black t-shirts keep it classic everybody looks good yeah the black t-shirt I like it and you can order the we hear black t-shirt at (laughs) we hear t-shirts.org Well, that's it for this episode of We Here. Our show is produced by Jamila Zara Williams and Melissa Caceres. We'd love to hear your questions and your ideas for the show. Is there a celebrity you're dying for us to dish on? Email your hot takes to us at podcasts at nypost.com. And to hear the latest We Here episodes, be sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, or any of your preferred platforms. Don't forget to leave us a review. We'll be back next week with more Page Six exclusives. See you then.